Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson Podcast. I'm Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 26-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling. The four-hour school day, how you and your kids can thrive in the homeschool life, and unhurried grace for a mom's heart. It's a devotional written specifically for homeschool moms. If you enjoyed The Unhurried Homeschooler, I encourage you to check out The 4-Hour School Day. It's kind of like an expanded version of The Unhurried Homeschooler. I'd also want to let you know you can find those books at Amazon.com. You can find them at my website, DorendaWilson.com. Or you can find The 4-Hour School Day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the two places that I mentioned I also want to let you know that I am only doing one podcast a week during the month of October. I gave a little update earlier in the month, so if you didn't get to hear that, please go back and listen, and you'll understand why I had to cut things down just a little bit, needed to streamline this month. Um, But in the meantime, I would love for you to listen to episodes that you haven't heard or want to revisit. There are somewhere in the neighborhood of 350 episodes um, that I have done and they are on my website. But the best part is that there is a search bar at the top of the list of episodes on my podcast page on my website. So you can put any keyword in there, discipline, high schoolers, uh, struggling learners, ADHD, whatever you need to hear about and be encouraged in, put that in the in the search bar and the episodes that have those things in them will come up. So I encourage you to do that during the month of October. I also want to let you know that I have an online mentoring course. Some of you may not know that. But in this mentoring course, um, I encourage moms to simplify, slow down, and enjoy their homeschool days with confidence and courage. This online mentoring course will include workshops that help moms grasp what unhurried homeschooling looks like during each of their children's developmental stages, along with lists of resources that I've found helpful over the years. The videos can be watched whenever it works for you. The course also includes extra workshops on mom self-care and nurturing your marriage throughout the homeschool years. I encourage you to go check out this budget-friendly video online course. And then last but certainly not least, I would love for you to check out Homeschooling Today, which is my favorite homeschooling magazine. And I'd love for you to just listen in for just a minute for a few more details on that. When it comes to homeschooling, isn't it discouraging to see so much on social media that simply doesn't match your reality? Life is messy. Kids can be exhausting. School doesn't always go as planned. Sometimes we all need some real encouragement, some real, truly practical help. That's one of the reasons I write for Homeschooling Today magazine. The entire team at Homeschooling Today wants you to know that messy, exhausting, imperfect homeschooling is an incredibly beautiful thing because it's real life as we take an unhurried, bold approach to homeschooling our kids. An approach that says, I won't compare my homeschool to others. I'll teach the kids God has given me in the way that he leads me to do it. I want to encourage you to check out Homeschooling Today magazine. It is an amazing resource for the unhurried homeschooling mom. (music) 
Today, we're going to be talking about the dangers of a self-help culture. And I have invited Wes Johnson back again. Um, He is one of the elders at our church at the barn. He's a husband and a homeschooling father of four. Uh, he's joined me for several other episodes. Um, I've mentioned in the in the last podcast he he was with me on um, the last one we did on biblical submission, the hot potato. Um, but he's also done applying Romans thirteen to the here and now, which we did in the middle of COVID. The importance of a biblical education, the biblical importance of family, and recognizing false teachers. Um, and like I mentioned before, we're going to be talking about the dangers of a self help culture. The reason I wanted to talk about this is that it can sometimes be a bit dicey trying to navigate that line of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility, because I think that uh, this is much of what this comes down to. However, our culture is incredibly self-focused and well-versed in humanistic teaching, often without realizing it. And so much of this thinking has informed the church as well. So I felt like it would be wise to get a little more clarity on this topic. Um, There is nothing wrong with being proactive and responsible when it comes to our habits and our mindset. Um, That's actually biblical. Mm -hmm. However, we need to be sure that we are approaching everything from a biblical perspective. And I think that often even Christian self-help books can lead us astray. Uh, not even necessarily intentionally, but just because the author may not be biblically informed, but may very well base much of their perspective on pop psychology and humanistic thinking. And so, Wes, we're going to ask you to help us understand the difference between self-improvement, self-focus, becoming your better self versus um, obedience to God and actual fruitfulness. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, happy to be here. And and to start, when we think about uh, what you might call the self-help culture, it's not something that uh, most people would readily be able to give a definition of, but it's this thing that we're all acutely aware of just as a social phenomenon. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like every bookstore has a self-help section. Right. Most magazines have a self-help bit in their publication, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, because we're people who have become obsessed with this notion of helping ourselves, self-improvement, personal growth. It's become something something of, a, of an obsession. Right. Um, and uh, in some ways, that's become an obsession because we live in a nation that historically has been incredibly blessed of God. Mm-hmm. So we've got enough time on our hands right. to think about ourselves. <laughs> We're not fighting for lot. our lives and exactly. trying to hunt down food and all exactly. the things. Exactly. <laughs> And so on the one hand, it's a blessing right. that such a phenomenon could even occur in a society right. because we got enough free time to think about ourselves and see things that we didn't like and think, <laughs> how can I fix that about me? You know. Uh, and so there is that side of it. Um, and I think initially when we think about self-help in terms of you know personal growth and, and self-improvement, it's kind of like, well, what could be wrong with that? Right. You right. know. Um, in fact, we may even want to try to baptize that in Christian lingo and mm-hmm. say, which it's we see a lot of. Exactly. Yes. It's yeah. just sanctification, mm-hmm. right? They say self-help. We say sanctification. Uh, but our our uh, tips, tricks, and life uh, hacks. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> are uh, ultimately pretty indistinguishable. Mm. We just cite some Bible verses before we say the same things right. that the secularists are saying. My favorite saying that I, I actually have on my fridge. Um, I can do all things through through a verse taken out of context, right? 
That's good. That, that kind of fits that, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. It absolutely does. It absolutely does. Uh, and so the term self-help is pregnant with false assumptions. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it just drags all sort of things with it mm-hmm. uh, that are, as you said in the opener, uh, absolutely unbiblical. Uh, they're humanistic and secularistic at bottom. And mm-hmm. so uh, what I want to do is is help to expose what some of those assumptions are. Right. So the first false assumption of self-help is that it, it assumes that we aren't fallen, wicked, evil people. Oh, wow. That's a big assumption. <laughs> yes, it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think we could just stop now because that would be enough right there. <laughs> that's it. That's it. But I mean, that is the baseline assumption of the entire movement. We don't have crooked, twisted desires that war against Mm. actual improvement, Mm -hmm. right? Right. (laughs) We actually want to be really good and really godly and really productive and really kingdom advancing. That's our deepest heartfelt desire, and we just need to be shown how. And if somebody just shows us how, (laughs) boom, we're just going to get to work, right? (laughs) Wow. I've never heard it put that simply, but you're absolutely right. Wow. That just, it sort of like pulls the rug out from under pretty much everything. Yep. Yep. Wow. So that is uh, the first assumption Mm -hmm. that's just bound up even in the the whole notion of of self-help. But the reality is that most of us, I mean, truly, most of us already know what we're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. The problem is that we don't do it, (laughs) right? That's the entire it's problem. so true. <laughs> Which is like, again, it pulls the rug out. Yeah. Because the problem is you can't help yourself. Right, right. You know what to do. You won't do it mm-hmm. because your problem is you. Right. So I, I can totally relate to this because I've been struggling for months, probably longer than that, where I would, you know, pick a new habit, start to try to walk that out, and just, it would just fizzle. Mm-hmm. And and I was so frustrated. It actually can make you depressed after a while yep. because you're like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I pull this off? So I was really praying about it. And the Lord fortunately brought a a very biblically based book <laughs> called Refresh. <laughs> and it was talking about um, uh, recovering from burnout. And it really made you like be honest, not just with what led you to this place, but also how ha- what what things have you been doing and what ways have you been thinking that are not biblical. Mm. that it has basically gotten you here. <laughs> right, right. And so uh, fast forward, I came up with some things that I really felt like the Lord was very clearly convicting me of. And then I and then I was just sat there and thought, I'm going to blow this. I'm going to blow this. I'm going to do it again. I almost like, but I thought, no, I know that God was really clear when I was reading. I asked him to clarify. He did. Um, now what do I do with this? And, I, and then I'm thinking, okay, I need, I need some, I need some accountability. That's what I need. And then I was thinking of who's going to hold me accountable. I can't, you know, trying to think of somebody good for that. Yep. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, it was like, my husband. My husband (laughs) is the one who should keep me accountable on this. He's the head of our household. We were talking about this in the last podcast about biblical submission. And and there's nothing wrong with choosing a friend instead. I'm not saying that. Just for me, in this particular season of life, it was the right choice. And so I came up with this list of questions that he asked me every week on our date. 
to keep me accountable to the things that I felt like God was actually calling me to do. And yeah. that makes such a big difference. So I just had to throw that story yeah. in there. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. But but so that assumption mm. is uh, on its face right. false. Right. You know, those of us who are Christians, read the Bible, have right. a biblical worldview, know what the Bible says about the nature with which we come out of the womb. Right. Like, that's just, that dog won't hunt. Right. And, and that's what I want to clarify about the things that I felt like the Lord was showing me. They were a lot of heart issues wrong ways of thinking. So I'm not talking about just like, you know, do 25 jumping jacks every day and that kind of stuff. It was like, are you nailing, are you nailing guilt and false guilt to the cross or are you continuing to carry it with you? Sure. You know, and just things Mm -hmm. like that. So yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so the reality is, the reality is somebody could give you the perfect plan, Mm -hmm. the perfect way to live, Mm -hmm. the most detailed instructions and in our sinful rebellion, we would resist it, reject it, or at best, to a point you're making, do it intermittently. Right. Right? Because there's something wrong with us. <laughs> and we don't improve ourselves by thinking more about ourselves. <laughs> that <laughs> right? is for sure. I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's the first faulty assumption. Mm. It's just like mm-hmm. biblical doctrine will not, uh, it cannot coexist mm. With the self culture, self help culture, mm-hmm. and the underlayment that right. supports it, right. uh, can't work. The second uh, faulty assumption, and this is, uh, I'll say, this is maybe even more specific to Christian self help. Um, Christian self help assumes that the soul is like a machine. The reason I say this is more uh, directed at Christian self help mm-hmm. is because the secularists are often generally materialists, meaning that they don't actually think in terms of a soul or an right, immaterial right, aspect right. of of a human. Right. And so that'd be uh, more the Christian expression of this. Um, so self-help culture, as Christianized, uh, is mechanizing the soul. Uh, so a little bit of background on that uh, quickly. Uh, after the Industrial Revolution, when we became a people of machinery and efficiency, basically what we did is we started applying the scientific method to everything. Because it worked so well for us right. in terms of technological advancement and commerce. So we thought maybe it works interpersonally too. Maybe it works spiritually mm-hmm. as well, right? Educationally. Educationally, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can do a whole thing. You can oh, do a series that's a whole, yeah. on industrialization and education, mm-hmm. right? And the, the philosophical underpinnings of both, right? Um, and, but, but so that's what we did. Uh, science, uh, the scientific method effectively became the American worldview. Mm-hmm. That's how we began to think about mm-hmm. everything in mm-hmm. terms of science, in terms of what is empirical and testable and repeatable and all of the, th- all of the tenets of the scientific method. Uh, and so basically what we did is we said, uh, everything works like a factory. Everything right. works like a machine. Mm-hmm. You just have to understand its component parts. Mm-hmm. You have to know how much fuel's supposed to be in there. You have to know how much oil's supposed to be in that. And everything is mechanistic. And once you understand how the machinery works, you can boil that down to different sequences, steps, or processes that guarantee a certain result. Right? Right. That's the assumption of self-help. Right. But then that becomes, because it isn't that, it becomes a rabbit hole. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you never actually.
actually get there. Yeah, because when that book doesn't work, you just assume, well, they didn't actually understand the machinery right. well enough. This guy has read more or done more right. or has— For whatever reason, is exactly. not qualified. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe this guy has gotten the process right. We don't abandon the paradigm. Right. We just think that that particular expression of the paradigm maybe had some errors, and we'll, we'll try another guy, right? <laughs> this is so true. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Wow. And so, uh, but again, like, that approach worked— in a factory. Right. That approach works in a mechanic's garage. Mm-hmm. But your soul is not a piece of machinery. You're a person. Right. Right? Uh, far more complex than that. It can't be boiled down to a process or steps or sequences. Your household is more complicated mm-hmm. than that. Mm-hmm. Your marriage is more complicated than that. And that's why with the rise of this litany of self-help materials and resources in all these categories, uh, we've, in uh, on a whole, we've gotten worse, not better. Uh-huh. Oh, boy, <laughs> howdy, isn't that the truth? The mental health in our country is not good. Correct. It's not good. Correct. And, and, and I think this is a big reason mm-hmm. that we are where we are. I mean, obviously, it's not the bottom. Sure. But, yeah. but, but the yeah. things you mentioned, you know, just— the, the thing that you mentioned at the very beginning, like the assumptions that we make, that's where the problem is. Correct. So, Correct. wow. Yep, wow. absolutely. So that's the second faulty uh, mm-hmm. faulty assumption. Uh, the third is that self-help assumes the sovereignty of man mm-hmm. and denies the sovereignty of mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Self-help assumes the sovereignty of man and denies the sovereignty of God. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's like uh, the book that says do this and get that result. Right has cut God out of the equation entirely. Right, right. Right? It's just, again, it's just mechanistic. It's just you can determine your own outcomes. Right. So my pet peeve, I shared this with you before we started recording, um, choose joy. <laughs> I cringe every time I hear that. And and I and actually when it when I first started hearing it and cringing, I wasn't even sure why. I just thought something is wrong with this, I, you know, because I, I just, I thought, I actually thought something was wrong with me because there are many times that I can't actually choose joy. I do sure. not have the strength. I don't have, I can't conjure it up. I can't make it happen. Mm-hmm. And my only hope is crying out to the Lord. And, you know, uh, you know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so, of course, the enemy, that's what he's going to, obviously, he, he goes for the joy. And mm-hmm. I think that's why it's become such a popular statement. It's like, who doesn't want to have joy in their sure. life, right? Um, and then there's all these little ways that we can do that. We were listening to a, we were watching some reel on Instagram before we started recording. And it was just a whole thing of just, you know, you, you choose this, you choose that, you do this, then that. And it was Exactly what you said. Very mechanical. Mm-hmm. And but like you said, our our souls are not mechanical. Our relationships are not mechanical. Our families are not mechanical. They're organic. Yep. And that's a whole different thing. And if anybody's you know even slightly crunchy granola, you're going to get what I'm saying <laughs> when I say organic. It's yep. it's something you have to like. You navigate yourself. You navigate your way through it, and hopefully with you know I'm with the leading of the Holy Spirit. You've got to just be functioning with the Lord, like listening to him, close to him, you know, mm-hmm. in his word so that you under, you know, have discernment, praying for all of that, because, you know, we, we're just not going to have it without, without him. Mm-hmm. Yep. But 
we would really like to shortcut all of that stuff you said. It right. sounds like it takes time, sounds like it takes effort, sounds like it's somewhat mm -hmm. of a process. And we would really like to, I mean, it's back to the Industrial Revolution. Efficiency. Efficiency, please. <laughs> exactly. Efficiency, please. Don't bother me with the details of development. Right, okay? like child training is not efficient. Right. Correct. <laughs> There's nothing exactly. efficient about child training. Exactly. And yeah. I think that's something um, I recently did a series on uh, sibling relationships and the time that it takes to nurture those. And But the benefits of taking that approach and taking the time to uh, approach it in a non-mechanical way, but mm -hmm. in a very organic, spirit-led, you know, mm -hmm. Bible-based way, um, the fruit is just... I mean, I see it in our family, and it's like I, I can't even explain it. it. It's so worth it. But right. at the time, it felt incredibly inefficient. Sure. Like, we got stuff we need to get done, you know? <laughs> like, we actually have to get to homeschooling today, I right. think. <laughs> and now I'm beginning to wonder. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? right, exactly. So, yeah, yep. I hear what you're saying. No, and that's a, and that's a wonderful parallel mm -hmm. that really does dovetail with the whole conversation, is what does Scripture tell us we are when we— become believers. Mm -hmm. Well, you become spiritual babies mm. who need milk. Mm -hmm. And you don't get to rush that process, no. right? Uh, the development process, the process of maturation, mm -hmm. uh, we want to get to this place that we see in our heads. Right. And it may not be a wrong place, right? But it may be that God has ordained, because he's the one who's sovereign, not you, mm -hmm. uh, contrary to the self-help message, it, it may be that he ordained that it takes you 10 years to get there, and you thought that reading that book was going to get you there in four right. months, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, I have heard you say um, in messages at church, and I actually texted you about this, and you, you gave me a wonderful answer, and hopefully you can remember what that was because <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot here. But the process, I said to you, um, you have made the statement, God loves the process. Mm. What do you base that on? Because if if God loves the process, and you could tell me why, <laughs> and you did, um, then I can love the process. Because right. I, I love what God loves. I want right. to love what God loves. And if God loves the process, there must be something beautiful in it. Correct. And so I Correct. think that's kind of... Ties in exactly. really beautifully with what yeah, you're and I mean, how does God reveal Himself in Scripture? He's a Father. Mm -hmm. What Father doesn't delight in seeing His children grow? Mm -hmm. That I, I mean, you know, uh, my my kids, like everybody's kids, there are words that they say incorrectly, right? And my mom, I had to get on to her about this. I'd I'd have my kids with my mom for this or for that, or you know, she'd keep them for this or whatever. And they'd come back, and one of the words that they said incorrectly, they were all of a sudden saying correctly, it was because my mom corrected them. <laughs> I'd get so mad at her. I loved how they said it. It was so cute. I wanted them to say it that way as long as possible, because I love it. But that's it, it was their immaturity. Right. It was their, they were in process. They're mm -hmm. developing linguistically but I love that process. Mm -hmm. I delight in that process. There's beauty in that process. There's joy in me as a father in getting to be a part of that process. Right. Right. Uh, but our modern day says, right. see how much you can speed that up. Right. And we see this happening in parenting where, where parents are pushing their children to be like adults sure. instead of just walking the process with them. Because yep. I think 
you could be an exception to the rule in the terms of loving the process. <laughs> because I think <laughs> that, be that you know, there's... Not all of them. I, Potty training, right. could we do that sooner <laughs> rather than later? That we could do, yeah. Fast that. forward. Exactly. <laughs> but I think that um, just that going into our day-to-day, especially for these moms who are listening, um, you know, they're they're with their kids pretty much all day, every day. And we get caught up in the minutia and we're just like, can you just get these times tables down for yep. Pete's sake? You know, there's things like that. But but reminding ourselves that God loves the process. And not only does he love the process, he has much patience and grace in the process. Like he's not in a hurry to get us where he wants us to be. Right. And we're the ones who are in a hurry. Correct. We're the ones who want to get there sooner and I think, wait a minute, if he wants it to be take longer, then I should be okay with that too. Mm-hmm. You know, again, wanting what God wants. And so I think just even yep. just tweaking our mindset a little bit in terms of patience with ourselves and our growth in sure. the Lord, um, obviously, I think it's a beautiful thing to want to be growing in the Lord. You, mm-hmm. you never want that to not be there. But understanding that it is a process and sure. letting letting yourself walk out that process and being patient yeah. with yourself and gracious like God is towards us. Um, that's something he's really been laying on my heart recently is just, you know, understand my compassion because, you know, depending on the kind of parents you've had, you know, you may not really, it might be hard for you to see God as a compassionate God, could right. be a driven God. Sure. And and that's that's something that I struggle with. And so really taking the time when I'm in stressful situations to understand that he's compassionate towards me in those. He's not sitting there tapping his foot going, would you just get it together? Right. You know, get it together and get moving right. forward. You're you, This is very inefficient, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think um, just having that mindset, I think can be super helpful. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And yeah, so God does. I think it's I think it's obvious throughout Scripture that God loves the process. It's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why it takes it from our reckoning so long for Him to see a plan through to completion. Mm-hmm. Whether it's uh, Abraham going to make you the father right. of many nations, and uh, he's looking at his watch. God, it's been twenty five <laughs> years. She's she's older. I'm older. Right. Are, were you still going to do that? Right. You know? right. David hiding in caves for roughly twenty years. After he's been anointed the next king, right. you know, here's a promise. And 20 years later, you know, 50 caves later, you know, <laughs> five near-death experiences later, God's like, okay, now's the time. Right. Now's the time. And so he's maturing us in all of those wilderness mm-hmm. settings and all of those cave settings and all of those uh, I think I'm about to die settings. Right. Uh, and that's, in fact, the thing that prepares us for him saying, okay, now. Right. The time. And and I think also that what's happening during that time, I believe that God does things in us that we're not even aware of during that time that actually prepare oh, us yeah. for eternity. Absolutely. And oh, it's 100%. stuff that's like we, we never cognitate it. We're not aware of it, um, mm-hmm. but it's something he's doing. And so then it's, it's a faith thing to trust. Lord, I trust you're working even though this is hard and I do not see how this makes sense, yep. you know, but I know and there's that the sovereignty question he does again. all things well. Exactly. You know? So, yep. yeah. And that's the, and that's the thing. Self-help wants to short circuit all of that by mm-hmm. making us sovereign over the process of our mm-hmm. own development. Mm-hmm. It does not trust that God does all things well. He put me 
in this moment, in this situation, with these kids who have these quirks, who mm-hmm. have the whose immaturity manifests itself this way, right. who have these sin proclivities. And what we're trying to do is rather than navigating those things as they are mm-hmm. and being and being contented. Right. Now, that's different than complacent. Right. Right. I'm content with the struggles that God has ordained for me mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. I'm content with them. They are what they are. We'll navigate them as they come. Uh, but self-help says, no, that's aberrant. That's abnormal. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't feel good to you, you should be able to find some process that will delete that right. from your life. Because you should be sovereign over the process of the development of your family and your household. And you should feel good. Absolutely. That's one of the other false assumptions, mm-hmm. that our resting state should always be one of happiness and feeling good. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes, exactly. Which is a very modern notion. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's not, that's not, that hasn't been historically true. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, we're doing okay if dad's able to bring home something we can eat. (laughs) (laughs) They don't die today. (laughs) That's that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, And so that's one of the other uh, big big problems with the self-help culture is uh, effectively, God sometimes has a plan for your life that isn't your plan, and you can't self-help your way out of it. Exactly. Exactly. I was going to actually read something on faithfulness that uh, I actually shared with a bunch of friends, and uh, now I'm trying to find it. So you just keep talking, and I'll let you know when I find <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, look on, look on. Uh, we, we recently taught through Ecclesiastes at church, and this is one of the hallmark points that Solomon is making in the book of Ecclesiastes, is you don't have any of the control that you think you have, such that really, at bottom— if I'm going to say, what's the fundamental, you know, what's the the worst assumption of the, the whole self-help deal? Uh, it is the notion that you can actually control anything. Mm. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> because you simply can't. <laughs> and moms are out there going, amen. I'm feeling it right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> exactly. They know. They know. You can get all those things right. You can follow all those steps, but mm-hmm. you can't control your child's behavior. That's right. You can't control what, how they're going to respond to your implementation of the steps from the book that you read. Yep. Because you are, in fact, very small. You are, as Solomon says, you're a vapor and a mist, and vapors and mists can't control anything. Things happen to them. They don't happen to other things. Right. They get blown about by all of the circumstances outside of themselves. And Solomon's big secret to how to enjoy life is to embrace that fact rather than continually fighting against it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So embrace the fact that you're a vapor and the spirit is the wind who's going to blow you where he wants to blow you. Mm -hmm. So rather than trying to stiffen yourself and go in your self-help direction Mm -hmm. that you determined, not that he determined, embrace the fact that he's going to blow you in wonderful places, even if it doesn't feel wonderful at the time. Right. Oh, you know, a while back I did a a podcast with someone on humility, um, how humility grounds and nourishes our soul. And I think that's really what you're talking about here. It's humbling ourselves. It's recognizing that he is God and we are not. And that's a, it can be scary. I mean, let's just face it, especially when we've been so well-versed in a self-help culture, so immersed. I mean, even when we're avoiding it, we're still hearing it. Sure. We're seeing it. We're, you know, conversations are happening. I hear conversations happen, uh, you know, amongst Christians. 
on social media and I'm thinking, wait a minute, I just, <laughs> you know, but what can you do? Right. It, it just shows that just how per- pervasive it really is. Absolutely. And so understanding um, that he is God and we are not and continuing to walk in that and embrace it and accept it, like you said, and just walk in it and just understand um, that it doesn't often, faithfulness and obedience to God does not often look like what we think it should look like, and it really doesn't feel like oh, yeah. we hoped it would feel like. Yep. <laughs> but um, there was a book that I read a while back called You Who um, by Rachel Jankovich. And the, um, so she was describing a field and brush mower that her dad um, bought that was huge and self-powered and could mow over saplings three inches thick. And she said, when you mowed with it, you felt yourself jogging along behind a thing that was well out of control as you did your best not to mow the orchard. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the quote that I want to share. I have thought of this many times as an example of what faithfulness feels like. It feels like thanking God breathlessly for things that you think were a bad idea. It feels like struggling to keep up and being sure that you're doing, and being sure that you're doing a great job. It feels like not really seeing the vision for what you're doing. And yet, whenever you look over your shoulder, where you expect to see the devastation of your poorly executed job, what you see instead is a beautiful garden growing. Faithfulness does not feel like what it is accomplishing. We have gotten so consumed with feelings needing to be pleasant that we have discarded the generally unpleasant feelings of faithfulness. It doesn't feel good, so it cannot be good. Mm. But discarding the feelings of faithfulness discards the fruits of it. And the fruit is all the glory and purpose and calling you could ever need or want. It only seems unpleasant for a moment until we learn how to see in faith. And then later on, she encourages the reader to hang on, obey him, watch the chips fly, feel them sting on your shins, and occasionally look behind you to see the beauty that God is accomplishing in your obedience, because it will be genuinely glorious. Well said, Rachel. (laughs) I just love that. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I've just gone back to that over and over again, that whole idea that it doesn't feel good. And yet here, you look behind you and you just see God doing what God does. Mm -hmm. And um so I just kind of think leave everybody with that bit of encouragement, unless you had more to add to that. Just one thing I'll Absolutely. say. Absolutely. Just one yes. thing I'll say. All of this leads to the cousin, the very ugly cousin of self-help, which is self-care. Mm. These two things mm-hmm. are intimately related. Uh, they have to be related because you'll expend a ton of energy trying to accomplish the feat of helping yourself. It'll burn you out. It'll leave you feeling like you constantly need to take a break from life. Right. Hence, self-care. That's why these two movements ended up growing up together, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the self-help tree is just a little bit be- a little bit bigger, but the self-care tree had to be planted right next mm-hmm. to it. Uh, and so ultimately, the reason that you need so much self-care is because you engage in so much self-help. <sighs> So you've got to break that cycle in exactly the way that Rachel's saying. Mm. You obey God, you confess your sins, and you trust him with the results. Mm. That's it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Simple, but not necessarily easy. Very true. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is great. Um, I appreciate you joining us again today, and I look forward to uh, the next episode. We're going to be talking about how to find a biblical church. So I'm excited about that. I'm going to let you go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, Father God, we ask that uh, you would free some listeners today. Um, 
We know that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We know that uh, the Lord Jesus died, that we might no longer be slaves. Uh, and yet, uh, sadly, we've been led back into a kind of slavery under the guise of self-improvement. Uh, and so we ask uh, that you would just loosen those tethers and free us to trust you. Uh, give us the freedom of bowing to your sovereignty, trusting your process, uh, and simply walking in obedience to you, irrespective of what it feels like on a given day. Mm. Uh, give us something that is objective rather than making us slaves to the subjective. Um, these are all things that we believe Jesus purchased for us with his precious blood. So would you apply them to us even this week? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.